This is a GRDC podcast. For farmers on the very edges of the Western Australian Grains Belt, maintaining some form of cover on their paddocks over summer is a crucial part of their long-term management. Hello, I'm Chris Brown. This podcast is one in a limited series of podcasts looking at how farmers are managing stubble across the Western region. It's brought to you by GRDC and the West Australian No-Tillage Farmers Association. And today I'll be talking to grower Clint Delabosca about his farming system and the role played by stubble from his winter crop. Clint, welcome. Can we start with you telling me about your farm? Where it is, what soil types you have, how much rain you normally get in what I imagine is a fairly dry environment? So we family farm business, so obviously with my mother and father, Wayne and Diane, and my wife, Jessica, and our two kids. So we're situated approximately 400 kilometres by road from Perth east, sort of out towards Kalgoorlie on the Great Eastern Highway, so right on the edge of the eastern wheat belt. We farm some 9,000 hectares of land, very variable soil types from heavy high pH sodic clay through to a wadule sand over gravel, which is very low pH, and we do have acidity issues and soil depth issues on those soil types. And our rainfall, it was supposed to be 300 mil annual, the turn of the century. Our records have showed that sort of dropped off, particularly in the last 10 years, to probably what we call a 275 annual rainfall. And obviously the split between summer and winter rain is where we've sort of got dry. We're getting more summer rain and consequently less winter rain, particularly early winter. So end of April, early May through to June has been a lot drier in the last 10 years. That's despite the fact that it's raining at right at the moment. Yeah, despite the fact, yeah. We seem to be fine with our sort of January, February, March rain. We're getting reasonable rains relatively consistently between 60 and 100 mil in those three months. But it's the early winter rain is the one that's being hard to manage. Quite often got moisture at depth, but we've got no surface moisture to get plants up and away and take advantage or lengthen the season out. How has that change in the climate affected the way your crops come up? Well, we've virtually gone to a a strategy of dry seeding. So we particularly pick a date on given soil moisture crop types that we're growing at the time. So we'll pick a date and start sowing on that date rather than waiting for moisture. We're very confident, particularly in cereal varieties, then being able to stand up to a long dry spell and then still germinate when the rain comes and produce a decent crop stand. So you'd have quite short seasons every now and yeah. again, would you? Yeah. So in particular, the last two years, I think the first opening rain wasn't till the end of May. I think it was the 25th of May. And then the, the rainfall virtually cut off at the end of August. So, so that's sort of a, only a three-month growing season. And 2019 was even shorter. So that seems to be more the norm or norm over the last 10 years. Are you mainly cereals or what sort of cropping rotation do you have? We're battling to hold on to a rotation. So we uh, mainly wheat and barley is our main staple. Oats has sort of come back a little bit with a few of the newer varieties showing up quite well as far as quality. Durian lupins has changed the game a little bit for us because it's obviously allowed to spray metribuzin on durian to control a radish. So 
they've come back a little bit in the last couple of years. And we've been trying to hold on to some canola in the system for weeds and early sowing opportunities. But unfortunately, the economics on the canola can be very variable. It can either be the best or the worst, depending on the season and how the scenarios play out. Last year, it was, was the only crop that didn't make a profit on our farm. Do you have livestock in the system? We, we're running sheep. We've decided to roll out of the sheep for a, a little short period of time. We were making very good money on our sheep enterprise. But given the, the last three or four dry seasons, we're just seeing we're bearing our soil types up too much and they're getting hard to manage. Obviously, water has become an issue in dams. So we've decided to roll out a sheep for a short period and, and just let our land recover and try and get some more biomass and cover on the soil. But you are undertaking a soil amelioration program, aren't you? Yes, that's right. So we're in the process of deep ripping and mixing lime. And we're sort of trying it hard to manage with the sheep because obviously that does reduce your soil cover and, and biomass as well. So doing that and then trying to run sheep over a long dry summer is the issue. So we're hoping to get more of our amelioration program out of the way and then hopefully you know, a little return in, in some seasonal rainfall and we can look at maybe bringing strategic grazing back into our system again. How significant is the amelioration program that you've got underway? Are you doing a lot of acres a year? We're trying to rip sort of 10% of our cropping program. So about five and a half thousand, we're trying to rip about 550 to 600 hectares a year. And also lime, probably that or even closer to 800 hectares a year. Obviously, we'd love to do more. It's showing up to be very successful, but, yeah, you've got to sort of chip away. Is soil erosion, uh, wind erosion, a sort of perennial problem for you? It's interesting. It hasn't been up until sort of the last five years. Yeah, obviously, a combination of those factors we mentioned before have aided, and the last two seasons, the wind has seemed to be more intense in specific events. Last year was terrible. We had three or four quite big blows uh, so anywhere particularly on our wadjil sands anywhere that didn't have any any sort of cover or protection yeah, did get hurt quite badly i know i made a mistake on one amelioration paddock and we we ripped it and we tried to establish canola on it in 2019 and yeah, obviously the canola crop failed because of the dry start or it was a sparse germination and we didn't have enough residue then to hold the paddock down the following year. So even though we did get a wheat crop out of it and it's probably sort of safe now, the wheat did struggle for probably six weeks at the start to get established and try and get enough biomass there to beat the wind. So retaining stubble at harvest is obviously an important strategy for you. Uh, it's a must. We place a, a very high price on our residue and our stubble management, even to the point where we're looking at strategies on where we can lengthen the stubble, cut the crops higher, particularly in the, in the low-yielding crops and areas to allow more soil cover. Tell me more about that, Clint. What sort of height do you traditionally cut and what are you experimenting with? Traditionally, or the last probably six to seven seasons, we've obviously been using our header as harvest weed seed management, putting our chaff onto our tram lines. So the strategy has been to cut the stubble sort of beer can height, try and get as many weed seeds into the machine as we can, which is working quite well. 
we're seeing nice lines of ryegrass. It's a bit funny to say that, but yeah, sort of congregations of weed seeds on, on tram lines and in areas where we know the weeds are. So that strategy is working. Obviously, putting the residue through the harvester does bash it up and degrades the value of your stubble. So in our low yielding environment, sometimes we can end up with not much stubble after the harvester goes through in that scenario. So we are looking at ways where we can clean our paddocks up and then cut the stubble longer and then seed into those uh, stubbles. So is that something that you haven't quite got to yet? And if that's the case, what are you planning? The strategy around trying to do that is we've, we've widened our sowing row spacings out to 375 mil from 300 mil. We've gone to a hybrid type seeding time that has runs a coulter at the front with the tine following to make sure we can cut through excess residue that, that has been knocked down. And obviously the removal of sheep from the system makes it easier because you have more standing stubble at seeding rather than stubble that's been knocked over. So you're able to leave the stubble intact rather than having to deal mm. with it in clumps on the ground. And the aim there, is, I imagine, is to well, be multiple aims over summer in weed control and cooler soil temperatures, etc. Yeah. Not to mention the wind erosion factor. Yes, yeah, exactly. This year it's going to be king with the rain in March. So there's, there is good research out there now to show the value of stubble and moisture retention because of higher stubble loads with this short period now into sowing. So that's going to help to maintain moisture levels in the surface where hopefully we'll be able to get at it with our air seeder and get crops established on time. Also then protect the seedlings as they germinate, particularly with canola and lupins and the legumes that don't stand up to wind as good as the cereals. What sort of stubble loads have you been having there? And you mentioned that you had sort of changed your sowing setup to accommodate that. That's obviously worked for you, but what sort of loads are you going through at sowing? It's actually quite variable. So the soils, our medium soils that obviously don't require as much manipulation from an amelioration point of view, and they're a little bit more productive. I think this year we'll have between two and two and a half tonne stubbles from last year on those soil types plus a, a residue build-up. It's quite significant. We wouldn't be able to get through them with, with a standard no-till seeding system without the coulter disc at the front, that's for sure. So, Clint, let's talk quickly about your spray program, your, particularly your summer spray program. How does that fit into the system now for you? Summer spraying for us is a must. We've got to protect every bit of moisture we can. So if we've had rain and we've had germinations, we can try and control those germinations as quickly as we can. Obviously, we can't spray every paddock at the same time. But yeah, we're very mindful of the moisture that those summer weeds and the nutrition those summer weeds will take out. And obviously, with higher stubble loadings, we've been able to build up, which means we've got to go to a higher water rate to make sure we get penetration and weed contact with those chemicals. And with the chaff uh, going onto your tram lines, that uh, presumably that that will germinate during summer if there's a, if a storm. Is that making things easier for you? Yeah, particularly you get self-sown cereals and that will come up in the tram lines if we get summer rain, like we'll have a quite a good germination of, of uh, cereals in the trams, depending on how our harvest has been set up and driven, obviously. So yeah, we quite often have to put a, a second nozzle or a bigger nozzle on the tram lines to make sure we're getting adequate chemical to those plant numbers. So that's just a bit of a management thing, but it's also 
quite good because you have high numbers competing against one another in a fairly compacted and hostile environment. It seems to be working quite well. Cost effectiveness of the chaff decks and that system is, is quite good. Obviously, you're not killing the weeds out of the back of the machine, which is probably the Rolls-Royce treatment, but at least you're collecting them and putting them where you know they are. A very good point. Thanks, Clint, for talking to me today. Clint Delabosca, a WA grower, using his winter crop stubble in a very, very strategic way. There are several other GRDC podcasts focusing on stubble management in the Western region that you can listen to wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for listening today.